0: Thank you for listening in right now. Glad you could join us. My name is Nyla and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's have a conversation. Connect with Greener Thoughts online by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in the show notes. You can also connect via the Anchor app or by email at Podcast at gmail.com. Alright, alright everyone. So we're going to jump into this podcast episode's announcements. And so the first one is that... Uh, It's about uh, Women's History Month. March is always going to be Women's History Month. And then coming up after the 21st of March are the Environmental Holidays, World Water Day that is on March the 22nd. That's a UN holiday. And then also the third and last one is World Meteorological a day, and it is on March the 23rd. That is also a UN holiday. So next in the program is the segment headlines from the hemispheres. It is a quick briefing on environmental news globally. The first headline is all about how our planet's ecosystems are really suffering right now, and they are collapsing at a much faster rate than we thought before. So the planet's largest ecosystems could collapse faster than we thought. You can learn more about that news piece on Environmental Health News on ehn.org. So recently in March, there was a study that was released in Nature Communications And it talked about how some of our favorite wildlife ecosystems really could disappear before our very eyes uh, faster than we even know it. Places like the Amazon rainforest or the Caribbean coral reefs uh, may may not be here for generations to come. And so one of the things to blame is ecosystem stress. Now, these are things that come in many, many forms, and so the research talks about how climate change, deforestation, overfishing, pollution, and also how ocean acidification play a role in the breakdown of these ecosystems. There was a John Deering at the University of Hampton, and his colleagues, they examined 42 natural environments and how they have transformed through time. And what they have found was that bigger ecosystems take longer to collapse, uh, though the rate of decline for them is faster. And then researchers uh, were looking at how the destruction that was happening with the Australian uh, forests and land there, and also how um, also Amazon rainforests uh, nowadays with the uh, wildfire news it was recent, are pretty striking examples of how dangerous uh, the rate of collapse is. Uh, second is the uh, news on the UN and that there are some uh, suspensions regarding uh, the agency uh, because of the coronavirus. So the UN uh, refugee agency is to, is to suspend resettlements because of the coronavirus. And you can learn more about that piece in uh, HuffPost in their environment section. So recently, the UNHCR, uh, that stands for the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, out of Canada, uh, they're a location there, and the International Organization for Migration (IOM) they are temporarily halting refugee settlement. Uh, departures because of new air and border restrictions. And then last but not least, the third headline is all about uh, geological structures and how they played a part in the 2011 uh, Japan Tsunami. So shifts in deep geologic structure may have magnified great uh, 2011 Japan uh, Tsunami. And you can learn more about that news piece on the website sciencedaily.com, specifically in the Science News section. So, the uh, studies authors, they uh, were doing their research at Columbia University's um, Earth Observatory, and they examined tons of data that was collected by other researchers before and after the quake. And they found that the unusual fault uh, in question is a so-called extensional fault and is one in which the Earth's crust is pulled apart rather than being pushed together. And the authors of the new paper, they believed that the answer uh, in the question surrounding uh, the earthquake or that the angle at which the ocean plate dives under the continental one, and they say it has been gradually shallowing uh, out over millions of years. <laughs> So, this uh, news piece for the podcast episode comes mainly from sciencedaily.com. And so, I'm going to jump to the reason for this episode. Um, We all love being healthy, love trying to make sure we live as long as possible, but there are some uh, hindrances. To that, and one of them is air pollution that we are now uh, finding out. And and you know who doesn't love to lose weight? You know who doesn't love the idea of trying to do so? Um, you know your efforts may be in vain and they may be sabotaged. You know it could be, you know something difficult that you may not have even imagined, and it's all in the air. And so we're going to look at uh, how uh, recent research sort of plays um, into. Uh, teaching us something new we wouldn't have learned about. And so it was a recent study uh, that we're going to learn a bit more about today. And so we're going to dive into that right now. And so uh, we're going to look at what's in the air. And we're going to dive into uh, the overview of the research article and then some of the main points and information within it. So let's look at the Who. Who is the article talking about? It's talking about uh, participants, mainly 101 young adults within Southern California, and it was led by the senior author, Tanya Alderetti, uh, who is an assistant professor of integrative uh, physiology at the University of Colorado, Boulder. And so the what of the information is that this was a study that was published online in the journal Environment International, and is the first to link air pollution to changes in the structures of our human gut microbiome. So trillions of microorganisms that are in each of our guts and reside in us. There's a link between those uh, microbiomes that we have and air pollution. So the study uh, took place again at the University of Boulder, Colorado out of there, and it was published this year. So, it was published in the year 2020. And as far as the why, well, the study is to bring to to light that air pollution uh, has significant ties to our health conditions and mainly it uh, ties to obesity and other things I'll get to a little bit into the research. Uh, So let's dive into the dirty no one wants in Denver. So, out of Denver, if anyone is from there, maybe you know of the, you know, toxic, gaseous, uh, pollutant ozone layer uh, that you have there in Denver in its infamous uh, brown cloud. You know, it's particularly dangerous. And so the study found that those who are young adults, they studied the young adults, there 101 of them, that those were who, who were exposed to high levels of the ozone, uh, noxious gas, they showed less uh, gut biome diversity, microbiome, uh diversity, and they had less species of certain, uh, they had certain species of um, uh, the microbiomes, uh, and they also were associated with that uh, having uh, more rates of obesity or disease. So because they had less of certain uh, microbiomes, microbiomes uh, of, di- of uh, gut uh, health uh, within them, then they were more predisposed uh, to having high rates of obesity and other horrible diseases linked uh, just because of that uh, dangerous air pollution. So the study uh, comes you know, at a time when air pollution in many U.S. cities is actually getting worse even after decades of improvement, unfortunately. So you have states like they found California, Texas, Illinois, Connecticut, tiny little Connecticut, um, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, not surprising, and also Wisconsin. These are are states and places that have been penalized for having high ozone uh, infractions and high rates of pollution. And recently in December, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, actually uh, downgraded the uh, Denver uh, metro area and some of its regions uh, to having serious non-attainment status uh, because it failed to meet national ozone standards. Now, uh, there's much to uh, have been paid Uh, attention to regarding previous studies because they also show uh, the inability for um, the body to repair itself after things like having it's, it's, it's body's ability, your body's ability to regulate blood sugar, those things are connected to your respiratory health, which I didn't know about. Um, but reading this uh, research article, you know, these are things that we're finding. Also, your risk of obesity is highlighted there because of your respiratory health. Other research um, has shown in the past that visits to uh, the hospital, when you get them, you um, It'll be, you know, for problems that relate to your gastrointestinal uh, health. uh, It's because of things like high pollution on days uh, that that happens. And you're more likely to get gastrointestinal problems, you know, already. And it's because of the high pollution on those days. And youth, even when they're uh, exposed to sort of high pollution levels, they are at risk things like traffic uh, exhaust you know they are more at risk for crow's disease you know and they're in their uh their youth so that says a lot about air pollution right there so let's tap into what the data says so our next section we're going to tap into what the data is uh, giving us in this research so uh it investigated the uh ins and outs of the gut, and so Alderetti's team looked at sequencing fecal samples, and those were taken from the 101 uh, young adults within uh, Southern California in their study. And so they looked at three different uh, air monitoring stations that were near where the subjects lived. So it looked at three different things, and it calculated the ozone exposure from the previous year of the study. So things like uh, the emissions from vehicles and uh, the vehicles that were exposed to sunlight and active. It also looked at uh, particulate matter. So from um, places like uh, commercial facilities or factories, you know, hazardous particles that are in, in the air for some time. And also uh, nitrous oxide. This is a byproduct of burning fossil fuels. If maybe the participants live near somewhere where fossil fuel is burned a lot, that was one of the uh, data points uh, that the researchers collect from. Uh, lastly, they also looked at how, um, of all the pollutants that were measured on their scales, they saw that ozone pollution had far greater impact on gut health by far. This is more than anything to do with gender, ethnicity, or even diet. that says a lot so so more than anything because of air pollution it's even more significant than what someone's diet had to do with the study also it talked about how the higher the exposure to the ozone or um the more prevalent that you are you know in an air polluted uh, area and impacted by it the more uh, you do not have variety of bacteria within your gut and of course the more variety that you have, the more you can fight off infections and stay healthy, but the less variety you are putting yourself at risk to getting all types of different diseases and getting sicker faster. Now, the subjects um, who had, um, of course, the greater exposure, exposure, they uh, really were lacking um, in this um, one um, type of uh, Bacterium, and this is a, a type of microbiome uh, uh, gut loving uh, species that is prevalent, though, but it's prevalent in a negative way because if you have a ton of it, then that means you are more obese uh, than someone who doesn't have a lot of this particular uh, species. Next, I'm going to leave you with some notable quotables. So these are from Tanya uh, Alderetti, she's the Assistant Professor of Integrative Physiology at the University of Boulder, uh, Colorado Boulder. And so the first quote is, quote, Ozone is likely changing the environment of your gut to favor some bacteria over others and that can have health consequences, end quote and then lastly, quote, a lot of work still needs to be done, but this adds to a growing body of literature showing that health, showing that human exposure to air pollution can have lasting harmful effects on human health," end quote. So I think the message that really rang clear to me is that There are some real problems um, concerning air pollution in the U.S. And in all the different states I mentioned, um, I didn't know that there was such an alarm around the country. Like, I knew that there were certain cities um, around the country that have, you know, higher rates of uh, air pollution uh, deaths. And um, it's really striking, you know, to, to know that, you know 8.8 million people a year they die because they are um you know unprotected from uh, around where they live and they're being susceptible or having being susceptible uh to harmful air effects and that's just really it's not fair and i feel like um you know knowing that statistic you know, we should do all we can to protect where we live. You know, your home is supposed to be a sanctuary. It's supposed to be where you feel protected. And if you live uh in, in such a in such a place where outside is dangerous, you know, what's the point of living there if you can't feel safe? If you unknowingly um are going to end up having something like type two diabetes, and having type two diabetes from air pollution nonetheless. I've never heard of that before, uh, you know, the research article, but I'm glad that I know now and that you all know now. Uh, So, you know, thinking about that, it's just, it's just a nightmare. It's like, it's like being in a nightmare where it's an alternate reality of the happening. But instead of an invisible airborne attack, you're struck with type 2 diabetes and it's all because of air pollution. That is wild to me. You know, and the fact that you can get fat, you can get fat from breathing dirty air. You know, that's, that's so striking to me. That's like an evolution in like pollution right there. Just that alone. Um, but you know, what's even scarier I think is developing something like Crohn's disease and you being predisposed at 19. That's, that was, uh, one of the age groups they, uh, leveled off as like a medium, So a mean uh, age within the the data. And so 19 is the mean age for the 101 uh, research participants. And that's pretty young. And so um, I think, sure, what 19-year-old in, you know, Denver, Colorado is in their own place. But, you know, it happens to be air polluted. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, who... like. How is this happening? Like, how many people are living in Denver, Colorado, that it's that congested? Like, what are the laws out there like? Like, I've always envisioned Colorado as a a hippie, you know, safe space, as a place where they're happy, but also, like, they've got their problems too, just like every other metropolitan area. But, you know, now that, you know, there's so much... Uh, to this brown, stink cloud out there, it makes me think twice of, you know, the people that live out there. Like, how do they have such beautiful mountainous areas and snow peaks, but in when in your biggest cities, you have a brown cloud that you have to worry about? That is really alarming. Um, regarding the study um there could be some improvements to any study um especially like research based because there're always being um new ones uh you know improving the others th- that were done before and i think a great um improvement would be you know to do a bigger sample of people because 101 people is, is super small so um i love that the um the Researchers, mainly the lead that I talked about, Ms. Tanya Alderetti, she wanted to uh, study the microbiomes of infants and their gut health and see how they're affected. It would be great to see um, how also their moms um, are affected as well because they they were, of course, carrying uh, those babies and now, you know, infants that she wants to study. So that would be kind of of, uh, really amazing um, also. She talked about how trying to improve the um, frequency of the uh, stool um, uh, samples. So that would be a thing to improve. So checking back maybe before and after as far as gut health results. Like before, maybe they lived in Denver, Colorado. Or maybe, you know, after and see how those compare or compare different regions so around uh Denver, around uh Colorado in general, or maybe do a regional study where it's you know the 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 West. So comparing the West versus the Midwest. So like the West Western states would be like, a uh, Washington, um Arizona, um uh, California, uh, Oregon places like that versus Midwestern states like North Dakota, South Dakota. Um, Illinois, Michigan, places like that and see maybe how they um, compare. I think that would be really fascinating because uh, big studies are always uh, great and if you can do it with a lot of people, um, you know, the bigger the better. So I think that would be great. For anyone who is interested in reading the uh, article for yourself and who loves, you know, deep diving and research, I will link the uh, research article in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. So this is the Mother Earth Minute, which is where we review in the next few minutes proactive things we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and protect Mother Earth. I think one of the uh, more simple things of what we can do in the message for uh, this Mother Earth Minute is to be proactive um, about what we have and to protect what we have. You know, I I came up with two simple ways, um, kind of self-explanatory, but, um, you know, for some they may be difficult because they may not have the resources, but I always, you know, try and press upon anyone that your health is everything. You know, I did a whole giveaway about Health is Wealth and I did podcast episodes, some of them related to health specifically, and I sort of uh, diversified um, you know, health and talking about it and different topics. You know, food. Um, you know, sleep. Other you know things related to research and cooking and all types of other things. And so, I I value my health and I try to um, keep it you know on lock. And so, I think one of the first um, tips, it's really easy to do, is to fight for cleaner air. So this looks like legislatively, you're contacting your representatives, you're contacting and persuading people, you know, if you don't pass laws, if you don't make it easier for me to make sure that these companies are not, you know, operating in my backyard, you know, you know, having that whole NIMBY mentality, not in my backyard mentality, and you're pressing upon these elected officials that you put in office, you know, they're gonna have issues because you're not gonna vote for them in the next session. They're not going to vote for them on the ballot where it counts, where they are most hurting, where sometimes you have these legislators, uh, they are in office for decades, for years and years, but yet they don't hear the concerns of who put them in power and who put them in office. And so you you have power, you know, for those who um, you can, you know, talk to directly, do it. Um, I suggest, you know, making sure that they create laws surrounding emissions, you know, car companies um, and those who manufacture cars, companies that um, are still using uh, fossil fuels who aren't moving towards renewable energies where you live. If you want to see different change in the energy energy sphere, then I think that that would be a great place to contact them. And sometimes contacting the companies directly, that also puts pressure on them. As a consumer um, and as a resident, what you can do, because we're all consumers and residents really, you can hold things like neighborhood strikes. This is where you get the whole neighborhood involved. You have door-to-door petitions. You show up at the, the town hall front. You are talking to the developers. You're talking to the mayor. You're talking to the companies that move in uh, and maybe are gentrifying your neighborhood and are polluting your neighborhood. That's where the fear, this fear of environmental justice and social justice comes into play here. Um, you could also do things like boycott products of the companies that are knowingly polluting where you live. So, you, if you live near a place that um, manufactures toilet paper and makes it, but it pollutes the rivers and the streams uh, just to make that toilet paper, make sure you put them out of business. Don't buy their products. Don't shout them out on social media. Um, you can uh, go to the uh, headquarters where they are and you know you know raise. Um, you know, a lot of tension there and you can disrupt where they are in the business there. You can try to uh, get legislators involved so they can maybe get them out of there. And any, you can show maybe research and proof of of why they're harming your uh, city, your region, and you're really sticking it to them. You could do a massive online petition because in the age of coronavirus, that's what's going on. You know, people are creating online petitions and they're movers and shakers and they're getting uh, the support that way. So that's a big... Uh, but that's a big way to gain support. If anyone is good at grassroots organizing, I highly suggest getting people on board via petitioning, via committees, um, or um, trying to uh, be on board with like environmental organizations. They are wonderful at combating um, communities where uh, they're being affected by big business. And so that's a great place to go as well for assistance. Uh, You could also uh, mail the companies in mass, you know, mail them to death and choke them with mail. Um, Where you are uh, mailing your uh, concerns and your questions and you want them out of where you live. Maybe you um, feel that you have been so detrimentally hurt, maybe you could go to court um, and fight for cleaner air. That's one of the things that you could do. You could quit, uh, you know, sharing good reviews about them online. And sometimes uh, you can uh, make it so that you will dox them, which isn't really advised. But if you can be a part of a group on maybe Facebook, which doxes or puts the um, information about certain um, uh, members of companies out, you know, and shames them. That's a good way to uh, make sure that a company's downfall is significant, because no company wants bad press. And if you're doing, if you're doing that, then you are, um, you know, creating uh, a space where you're being recognized and you're doing something about it, and you're showing up, and you're telling these companies no more. I like the idea, you know, doxing is, you know, sometimes necessary. Um, especially when a company's not listening. And if you can hit them where their money uh, counts and where their dollar is uh, with you, then um, they'll be sorry and they'll probably change their behavior. Uh, Number two is to move. So this is the move where it's safer. Now, some of the states, if for anyone who uh, happens to live in these states, you know, maybe check the region where you are living. If you're living like in the metropolitan area, then maybe it's time to move because as we've seen from the research, you know, air pollution is tied to obesity and it's tied to things like uh, other adverse health effects like type 2 diabetes and Crohn's disease and other things. It can make your allergies worse and it can make uh, asthma uh, worse and things like that. So some of the states that went the list, again, California, Texas, Illinois, um, Connecticut, Indiana, New Jersey... Uh, New York and Wisconsin, these are some of the biggest uh, offenders of the airspace that we have in the U.S. For my international listeners, you probably don't have much to worry about, but, you know, you know, the the air isn't, um, no one's free from air pollution unless they live somewhere and it's just way in the boonock somewhere. But, you know, we all share the air and some pollution areas, some more polluted areas in the world are way worse than others, but nonetheless, um, you know, check your air. And if you can move and your health will, you know, be a lot better and you won't die because of something like air pollution that is sort of preventable. And if you can and you have the resources to move where it is safer and you can read up on, you know, places that are a little bit better, maybe more rural, maybe suburban, maybe you can go off the grid, maybe you can... Um, find a place where you know the laws are a bit more stricter where it comes to when it comes to air pollution and uh, emissions that are uh, doled out um, from companies, I think you're in uh, better hands you know when it comes to that. fact of the day is that the Chinese paddlefish, an ancient species once native to the Yangtze River that could grow to more than 20 feet, is extinct. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club, Sierra Magazine, in the March-April 2020 issue. have come to the Time in Green Greener Thoughts program where if you uh, would love to of course let me review any environmentally related product within the Eco Company Spotlight segment let me know. You can get your ideas out there or information you have about your company or favorite brand Uh, you can also send me an email about it or a voice message. I'll definitely feature it in uh next segment in a future podcast episode, but I love getting voice messages. I love getting email. Um, and so I would love to go ahead and, you know, get those. And so for now, uh, I've always been uh, reviewing uh, tons of different uh, eco-company spotlight uh, companies I have uh, to share, and I've been doing it for a while now. Uh, and so I have a recent one, and it's from the company... Uh, that does uh, Beyond Meat. And so the mission of Beyond Meat is a simple one. It's to feed the future and do so in a positive way with positive choices. No matter how small, you can always start and have a bigger, better impact on your greater personal health and, of course, the health of our wonderful planet. And so by shifting to something like uh, animal meat, Uh, and so them doing uh, plant-based meat, they are positively impacting our our planet and sort of changing the global issues that we have today, some facing us, including those surrounding human health, climate change, constraints on natural resources, and also uh, animal welfare. Now, regarding the commitment to sustainability, Beyond Foods uh, uses 99% less water, 90% 90% less greenhouse gas emissions, 93% less land, and 46% less energy. And so their products are offered uh, with tons of amazing things, including uh, equal or greater levels of protein when it comes to uh, any animal counterparts that you you know know about or have eaten before. They don't have any cholesterol. They have less saturated fat in them. And their products do not have any antibiotics or uh, hormones. Now, uh, why meat from plants? Uh, They speak to the four things that I talked about, including these things improve uh, meat from uh, plants, improves your human health. It positively impacts climate change and addresses uh, the global resource constraints that we already have and does improve animal welfare. These things I talked about earlier. Um, as far as its products that it carries, it carries a ton of uh, power packed plant foods. Uh, all of them are uh, tons of variety that you will have. They have their burgers, which they're famous for. They have their Beyond Burger. They have their Beyond Breakfast Sausage, which, come, which comes in types uh, classic and spicy. And then they have their classic, uh, their cookout classic food. And then they have their Beyond Beef, which is a plant-based ground beef, for those who love ground beef. And they also have their Beyond Sausage. This is great for things like pastas. And so they have the types Brat Original and Hot Italian, Sweet Italian. They also have their Beyond Beef Crumbles. These are great for your tacos. And they have the Fiesti, or, or Feisty, um and then they have the beefy and so as far as my experience of beyond meat products i love beyond Meat. when i first um saw them i was like oh this is so amazing because it's luxe it is different and it's made from plants i can't get enough the price point is pretty great um depending on the store you may get them from you know maybe giant or they have other places you can get them from you can get them online um but I get mine either from Giant or from Whole Foods and the price point from when I last um had them was either from 4 bucks to 10 bucks per pack. So you get like two um packs uh with the Beyond burgers and they're really great. And then they're versatile, so you can do so much with them. I just use them as a burger, but maybe I'll have them in a like makeshift uh, spaghetti, Um, any type of meat-based dish that you would use regular burgers for, or try to mix it up. You can do so with this. Uh, So the many different foods people eat uh, that happen to have burger meat, try meat that is made from plants. You know, it's extremely filling. I ate one, I was full. I ate two, I was good for, like, a ton of hours. You know, it's the type of food that you eat, and you don't need to eat much more. Like, you're good. Like, this is great for, like, your late um, afternoon, and it's good until, like, way past evening, until you have to eat again for breakfast. Um, you know, you, you can maybe spice it up a little bit, whatever your seasoning are, whatever seasoning that you use for normal uh burgers, you know, try and use them on Beyond Meat spray on burgers. Um it will definitely I think fool the average meat lover, um to say the least. It definitely speaks for itself. No wonder it's so popular. Um and they have tons of recipes. Beyond Meat has tons of different foods on their site already and they're making a way where you can sort of shop online and there'll be news about that. Um, and when it comes out, I can't wait to go ahead and try um, shopping online for their food. So regarding where you can shop for Beyond Meat, they can be found online and you can check their website beyondmeat.com and then you can go to the shop tab um, that's under construction as of this podcast episode, but they're trying to have it where people can shop online Uh, for the wonderful delicious food so that's amazing you can also check out the online retailers and what they have going so amazon fresh uh, trifecta and also peapod they are available though their products um, from beyond me are available in limited quantities via those uh, online retailers though But uh, those who happen to love fast food and want some fast food service uh, restaurants where you can find uh, Beyond Meat products, all you have to do is go to Beyond Meat's website at beyondmeat.com and then go to where to find that section and then go to food service. You can see all the uh, fast food restaurants that feature or have uh, pieces of Beyond uh, Meat's uh, products. Uh, in uh, the restaurants. So regarding in-store, uh, Beyond Meat, you can find uh, their products here. So you can find them at BJ's, Giant, Ingles, uh, Publix, Safeway, ShopRite, Sprouts, Target, Walmart, Wise, Whole Foods, and plenty other stores. Beyond Meat is on the following social media platforms Facebook at Beyond Meat, they're also on Instagram at Beyond Meat, all one word uh, lowercase. They're on LinkedIn at Beyond Meat. They're on Pinterest, same thing, at uh, Beyond Meat. Twitter, they're also at Beyond Meat. And lastly, YouTube, uh, they are at uh, Beyond Meat, the YouTube channel. So to contact Beyond Meat, you should just go to their website, beyondmeat.com, and then go to the Contact Us section under Information at the bottom of their website. Thank you so much for listening in this wonderful podcast episode. I learned some new things, um, reinforced some really great um, other things. And so I want to just tell you, you know, thank you. Um, you know, be sure to, you know, share what you learned about this episode with someone else. It will definitely, uh, you know, help someone who is struggling, you know, maybe in an area where air pollution is prevalent. You know, if you shared, um, you know, information with them, maybe it will definitely help them to maybe move out of that area. Um, You know, this could be especially helpful for someone who lives in Denver um, and who was the um, subject of where the participants uh, were living, those 101 people, young people too. And so, you know, to not have them predisposed to uh, all that environmental pollution, all that air pollution, you know, maybe share this with your friend who has been vacationing out there for a bit or who lives down there or... Uh, you know, just mentioning Denver, maybe it will just, you know, light up their spirit. Um, and this is some good information to share. Um, if you've been impacted by air pollution, how have you been impacted by air pollution? Um, how would you like to remedy that? Like, would you like to, you know, move someplace? Or maybe you want to tell your story about how, um, you know, you've been affected or maybe how the coronavirus is impacting you? You know, I would love to hear your story. I would love to hear and have more conversations around how you are feeling, maybe how you grew up, and maybe the condition, um, you know, the experiences that you've had about environmental pressing issues and how they've affected you. I would love to learn about it. You know, I'm all about sharing information. Um, we learning from each other, um, and having that engagement there. I thank you all for always listening. I see. Um, you know where people are, are listening from, and on which devices, and all types of other stuff. And so, you know, it's a community here. You know, we're we're worldwide over here, and there's a ton of um, you know people. I just want to thank um out there, all of you. I want to thank you. So, um, you know, be sure to look up to you know seeing the next podcast episode because it will be coming soon but until then thank you so much and as always be safe and take care bye